0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Event Industry News podcast. I'm Adam Parry, editor at Event Industry News and today I am joined by Rachel Butler who is head of marketing and brand communications at Marble London. Um, my notes over here say that your heritage is actually based in festivals, music and arts which is really interesting, it's kind of how I got into to the events industry. And from my understanding Marble was kind of the collaboration of three agencies coming together to to kind of join forces historically. Is that, is that right, Rachel?
1: Yeah, that's right. So quite varied background um, in comparison to kind of where we, where we are now. So the business itself um, was initially, we so we have four kind of um, co-founders and they initially had three separate businesses, as you mentioned. So, Um, one is focusing on event production and the kind of logistics side, pulling the events together, one more around um, event planning and project management, and then one um, is focused on tech production and and the kind of sound and lighting kit from that side. So it really made sense um, for the guys to, to merge from the fact that they, they constantly were kind of overlapping and, and working yeah. together and noticed that actually there'll be way more benefits for, for our clients if they kind of um, banded together um, and formed one kind of end-to-end service company um, rather than kind of working across multiple different other agencies. So so that's essentially how, how Marble formed um, quite a few years ago now and and the team that themselves um, their heritage is very much within kind of music festivals, um, a little bit of private events too and and music and the arts as you say Um, but over the last six years or so we've very much kind of transitioned into kind of um, a bit more of the B2B arena um, and, and covering kind of a wide span of industries including finance tech fashion um and wellness um so a little bit of everything really
0: it's really interesting you your founders and the business is clearly born out being bought out of creating people experiences right there's you know some of the bigger festivals yeah. and events definitely obviously have sponsors in a corporate angle to them when you kind of get up to the big stuff but you know festivals are rooted in, in, in creating memorable experiences for people that they want to return to year on year right and it's really interesting to see obviously how yeah. that's translating now into into the b2b world we hear festivalization a lot don't we but you guys have kind of come through that from grassroots i suppose
1: yeah, exactly. It's really interesting. And it's exactly as you're saying, it's that emotive experience behind um, the event or the activation um, that's really key and that we find is a really cool part of, uh, of a lot of the projects we work on. Um, and with that kind of slight pivot and transition into more of the kind of tech arena, um, kind of networking based events, finance, what we're really seeing is that desire from a lot of those big players to To really stand out and create something that's that's breaking the norm and it's a little bit different um there's a lot of kind of conversations in white rooms and lots of kind of fairly scaled back um i i suppose kind of yeah networking events and conferences and they really want to inject a bit more kind of color a bit more of an experience and you know kind of New tech. A lot of these companies themselves, as well, obviously, speak around kind of innovation um, yeah. and emerging technologies, and they really need to kind of bring that into their own kind of brand presence at some of these experiences. So, so yeah, it's a really interesting kind of uh, area to to move into.
0: What What do you think is driving? And and I suppose this is what we're here today to talk about. Is is your report? What What's driving the desire to? put some extra umph and pizzazz into what I suppose is really an, a, an event aimed on on learning and content and networking, so it doesn't necessarily need everything else. What, what's driving the desire to want to create those, not just people in a white box room chatting? Yeah. I think that is?
1: Well, I, no, no, fair point. I think as well we, we do underestimate the um, desire from the participants there to actually have that kind of, um, I guess, confidence to network and to, to. I mean, it's such a crowded space as well for them to choose which of those events are really going to kind of, where they're going to get that knowledge they need, where they're going to kind of um, have that thought leadership um, mm-hmm. angle that they really need to drive themselves forward and their businesses forward. So, so within such a crowded marketplace, it's really key for these, um, these businesses to have something which stands out, to To have something that those participants are going to go away and share um, and essentially going to drive them forward and, and help increase their presence within their own markets too. Um, and I think there's lessons to be learned really from the B2C world as well. So outside of their kind of day-to-day roles, a lot of the kind of B2C world now is, is making leaps forward within Mm. integrating more tech into a lot of their physical campaigns there's much more of a kind of merge which of course is seen with the current climate between digital and physical events and campaigns and so if that's your experience in your kind of day-to-day life with other kind of um elements then then that should also be kind of brought into the business world too
0: Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I suppose just while you've been speaking about that, I've been thinking about my own experiences as an individual when it comes to hospitality, me going out to eat, right? You know, you go into a McDonald's, it's not really a memorable experience, is it? It's kind of, it's there to serve a purpose, fine, whatever. But when I want to spend a little bit more money, when I want an experience, you know, that definitely plays into what restaurants or, or units I, I go into. And it could be the open fire, the the, the the fanfare of the chefs being on display and cooking, the way the waiters and everything interact yeah. with you. And it's a totally different play, isn't it? One's very memorable. The other one's just, you've forgotten about it as soon as you walk out of the, walk out of the room. So if you're a, if you're a yeah. brand or a uh, corporate and you're spending lots of money on captivating the minds of people and it obviously encourage them to spend money with you or, or continue to spend money with you, and making an experience memorable even if it is a presentation about product service or, or networking that definitely obviously clearly goes towards helping along with that so it's a worthwhile worthwhile investment let's let's have a little yeah. bit look at the 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 report then as opposed to first start off you know reports like this they're no small undertaking it it takes a lot of effort to kind of start to figure out the questioning yours goes into quite a bit of detail um, around different elements of experiences the value of them what people get out of them why they're important and then you've obviously got to go out there you've got to interview people and you've got to write it all up and make it look great so people can digest it afterwards. Why? Why? Why did Marble London <laughs> decide to, to 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 take this on board and and do this piece of work, which it looks like to me is free for anybody to kind of go download and and, and check out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, So I suppose twofold really. Um, There's the side of it that as we were um, moving more into, as I mentioned, the industries over the last few years that uh, that include kind of marketing teams that we're working with. So traditionally we worked with events teams, um, but now that we're working a bit more closely with marketing teams and communications teams, outside of our knowledge and experience that we've gained with our current clients, we really wanted to get a broader scope of how the whole of that industry, um, their, and their feelings and perception towards live experiences. Um, and we, we were having a look ourselves online to see kind of, you know, what's the general consensus? How, how do marketing teams perceive events within their, their marketing strategies? How do they regard that? We have our own feelings, but we'd like to know kind of, you know, what, what's the general consensus, as I mentioned and there really wasn't anything out there as far as we could see. So, so essentially the research was to help us kind of gain more of an understanding of our target audience um, and help as well kind of use that to, to, I suppose, educate some of our clients as well as kind of what their industry peers are thinking and how they're perceiving, um, how they might kind of conduct their experiences um and then and in itself as well to help kind of educate our industry and our industry peers and and help them kind of understand the target market that they're going out to and what that looks like so it's kind of twofold really
0: yeah it's really interesting there's i suppose one of the things that i found this report really good for is 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 proving the value of events right events are very emotive physical things that we experience and we experience a lot of them and there's, you know, huge mm-hmm. budgets spent on, on experiences. They, you know, are somewhat more expensive to do than, let's say, digital-led campaigns. But there's so many intangibles around mm-hmm. them that are valuable that you can't get through any of the medium. And I suppose this is what the report kind of discusses yeah. and, and kind of focuses on, which is the value of events as part of the marketing mix and, and how that can all be connected yeah. up. Let's have a look at some of the statistics then you know we're, this is this podcast is being recorded j- still during a lockdown so I appreciate some of the statistics and 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 kind of the way that feels, mm-hmm. people are feeling may have shifted ever so slightly but I think it's still very very relevant in terms of what our industry and what buyers and corporates were kind of thinking and feeling before the lockdown because if this pandemic hadn't happened Absolutely. it would have been, still been the case so I suppose to yeah. touch on touch on thingy uh, on 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 first what what did the current climate look like when you got those those responses back what was the thoughts and feelings of um those that you surveyed
1: yeah so actually fairly surprising for us so um we spoke to 100 um marketeers largely within um the marketing industry also within finance and tech too Um, And 55 percent of those that we spoke to have previously carried out an event, um, which is really great to see. But really interestingly is that 90 percent of marketers believe that events are an essential part of their marketing strategy. So there's that slight disparity between those who have actually physically carried out the event um, and, and then those that actually feel as though it's a really kind of valued part of their strategy and what they should be delivering. Um, so that's the kind of really kind of hits the core and, and our feelings before actually carrying out the research into, OK, we know there's a demand out there. Um, what could be the potential barriers? What could be the potential kind of misconceptions um, around an event? There's obviously a lot. Um, of conversation around investment, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. the kind of average cost of an event. Um, We know ROI is a huge one for our audience and how that can be proven, not necessarily as straightforward as um, kind of digital channels, as you mentioned. So kind of social media, email marketing, those elements where it's all kind of online, um, traditionally from um, I suppose an understanding of how to easily capture ROI that's a lot clearer um, so it, it, it was really interesting to see that as um, kind of the first off mm-hmm. um, and then we also asked um, participants kind of what what they would consider as an event um, and 34% um, said something which requires their participation Um, which I think again is really key now looking towards where we are in the current climate and taking some of these learnings from physical events into the digital realm Mm -hmm. Um, and 30% said networking and 18% said immersive theatre so again there's that real kind of b2b element I suppose with this report in the sense of A lot of these events um, do require that kind of networking element, that physical interaction. um, And again, that kind of ROI aspect of, okay, from this event, I want either the attendees that we brought together to feel as though they've made some really kind of meaningful connections from this, um, or the brand themselves or the agency themselves to, to really kind of feel as though they have set up i suppose a bit more within their sales pipeline from having this actual um experience or conference or whatever they want to kind of frame as part of their event um, yeah. so so that was really interesting for us as a first off um, and then as i mentioned from kind of understanding what the various objectives would be um, and kind of what roi um, our audience would really want to see from these events um the largest amount by far was of course an increase in revenue so 47 percent um, would want to see an increase in revenue from any experiences that they're holding um, and then 27 percent want brand awareness so i think that really kind of echoes our feeling and and conversations that we've been having with clients you know articles that we can see across yourself and, and marketing kind of publications that gone are the days where um clients are kind of or the majority um, of the audience are complacent with having kind of a PR stunt or um, a big kind of marketing activation to simply get headlines um, and and to grab some share of voice from their competitors. There's also, it's very closely linked to an increase in revenue, be that sales directly at the experience, um, a knock-on effect of that experience and that being linked to kind of follow-up spikes um, in, in sales. So, so, so that in itself as well was was really interesting. Um, and then I think just, just one more on that is the priorities um, and what the participants would find um, as kind of the key objectives, what they're looking for um, from their events when they're actually putting the event together at the very beginning. Um, and uh, thirty percent, 36% say originality of concepts. Um, So that as well, I think, is something really key to pull across to what we're seeing now with the current Mm -hmm. climate Um, with the originality of concept within kind of the physical um, world of events. I would say that's something which could be channeled through storytelling, through the narratives, through kind of the way you um, communicate that event, um, the way it's delivered. Um, that pulling that into the digital realm, I feel like it's a little bit trickier. Um, there's, there's a lot of event tech out there, um, at the moment it feels like the knee-jerk reaction for a lot of brands, um, especially in the B2B world, is to use something similar to kind of Zoom for, for roundtables or thought leadership type events or live streams. Um, but I think the diversity of what's out there and innovation is very much at the beginning stage um, and, and that's something that, that's really key um, over the rest of this year and I think moving into events um, forward definitely something that's going to be really really important for our audience.
0: Yeah it's, um, there's, there's quite a lot there which I'd love to break some of it down but I think just on your, yeah. on your last point there what I'm hearing and, and, and my own opinion is Technology companies who are providing the backbone and the networking, the 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 software to enable um, these online events to happen are going to have great mm. healthy businesses because I think one of the things yeah. that our industry is learning is the need for diversification, the need for a plan B. Um, actually, mm. some of the benefits of scope in terms of creating a wider net, more eyeballs. Um, and helping those people who might not be able to access your physical event still engage with your brand, your message, and your brand value. Yeah. And then, you know, sustainability plays a role into that in terms of logistics and people traveling, um, and, and then business sustainability, maybe that element of getting those 10,000 eyeballs is a lot more cost-effective by having a hybrid or virtual online element to your mm-hmm. event, rather than saying, right, the aim is to get every single person Physically here because we need them in front of us in order to to, to create value. So I think yeah. the industry is going to go has forced to go through quite quickly um, a change. I think yes, there's a lot of Zoom webinars. What on the face of it looks very. The same content or the same format which mm-hmm. you know there's already what is it called zoom fatigue and those terms being banded yeah. around already after six weeks <laughs> and yeah. you know because people are using it both for, for internal comms keeping in touch with the family and then business elements all of a sudden your day just looks like one big zoom calendar doesn't it and it's like oh, it's just exactly very interesting.
1: Eyes as well. yeah. where
0: i personally think the biggest budgets are going to be spent with online events are very much in that event-led design experience design. What does this event look like from a not just a content delivery, but from a whole experience? How do we feed people into it? How, what's the back end tail out of it? Look out of it. You know, do we, do we create something for those remote participants that still brings them back into the part of the event? You know, lots of people have been talking about delivery vouchers, experience boxes, you know, other aspects mm. and elements that can, you know, even kind of like the Heston Blumenthal, you know, dining experience, which is you've got your headphones yeah. on as you're eating something, you're hearing the sea and all that kind of stuff. And it, it transports you to where mm. that's, that's going. That could be fed into speaker content and the event itself and all that kind of stuff. So mm. I think actually for for you guys, this is, this is huge opportunity in terms of creating not now just physical events but Mm -hmm. online events and hybridization of of both of them so actually to some degree I think what where we are now is 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 a good thing it's it's for we are very adaptable industry we are we are super creative so if there was one industry where this was going to kind of create a positive it was ours it was always going to be ours interestingly just to dial back a little bit I'd love to talk about a little bit more on one of your interesting statistics which you mentioned right at the, at the front which is 90% of people see it as a really really important part of comms and marketing and, and, and engagement but I think was it 45% have never done an event was that is that have I got that statistic right
1: yeah 45% hadn't done an event that's correct yeah
0: so why is that why did it is it because those individuals are restrained in budget maybe they can't mm events cost a lot right they, they, they can cost yeah. a lot and I suppose if you're going to your CFO and saying can I have 100, 200, 50 grand for this event and they are sales led which yeah. you mentioned some statistics later on there's no kind of like calculator mm-hmm. out there is there where they can go well if we get this many people turn up this will lead to this many sales you know they want that but CFOs and other people want that tangible kind of like thought thread to is that it or is there other things going off there as well?
1: Yeah so I definitely think that's a strong element and that's been a really big part of a lot of conversations we've had with our clients and actually something internally that we're really working on to tie up a lot closer for our clients and almost to try and kind of categorise okay if this is the objective of your event this is what you should be looking for to determine whether the event's successful and will also obviously help um, you understand what the performance was and then help calculate the ROI back to the beginning Um, and then in terms of the potential barriers to experience as we've kind of framed it in the report. So what could be that kind of gap that we're seeing, what could be leading to that? Um, we found that a lot of it is to do with budget restrictions, which we um, which we kind of um, um, assumed would be the case. So 51% of those said that budget restrictions um, are, are kind of the main factor as to why they would not um, undertake an event. And then 29% are saying, time restraints and 14% saying lack of internal experience or, or expertise, Um, which those two aren't, aren't kind of too much of a concern because of course that's, that's why we're here to help alleviate those concerns. Um, But I think budget restrictions is a big one. And I really think to pick that apart is definitely looking into, okay, well, what are you trying to achieve from this event? Because I think for a lot um, of our clients, even though 90% see events as an essential part of the marketing strategy, it's still, I don't believe kind of the default that they would go to. If Mm. they say, for example, a new project, a product launch comes through the door, they'll typically go to their kind of social media, advertising, email marketing, the kind of default marketing mix, and then think, okay, if we incorporate events, that would be a really kind of interesting diversification for us but it's i think it's still considered as almost a bit of a risk of mm. kind of okay if we do that then um you know how do we then prove kind of product sales how does that link to that what are we kind of looking for so so really have to kind of think about it in terms of um what they're trying to achieve so whether it's kind of brand awareness then we can definitely kind of have a look into okay how's that impacted your share of voice, the perception of your brand, the sentiment of your brand. Um, whether it's trying to kind of gain um, I suppose connections or networking, there's definitely loads of tech out there as well that, um, that we're working with and, and I'm sure there's, there's so many um, that can help determine okay from your event how many kind of um, meetings occurred, how many people connected with each other um, and, and also feedback itself from the participants and how they found that event yeah. um, and kind of yeah how they um perceived or how how whether they kind of found the content of the event relevant um, whether they they enjoyed kind of the the kind of layout the structure the kind of um all of the the sides that you're putting together for it um, and then i think um, lastly there's definitely that that sales element that you mentioned and how that can be linked to the actual event, So whether it's included as part of the event, um, whether there's a platform that's used as part of that, whether there's some sort of kind of campaign codes that you can link towards it. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think um, there's a lot out there that can absolutely help with justifying ROI from these events. Um, It it just completely depends on what the initial objective is and, and the way that the experience is activated. Yeah. Um, because really, it's kind of the value that you place um, on the event is completely subjective to to what you're looking to gain. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. a really interesting one.
0: Yeah, and, and for Lots me, think about that, mm. direct sales is one part of it, but you know some of the other elements that you've mentioned as possibly lower priorities actually make up a bigger proportion of the reason mm. to do it. Like right? so, press, I think that was quite a low one. However, mm. if an event captures that eyes and minds of trade press and then maybe national press you know if you were to quantify that based on let's say the old school way of working column inches or advertising spend mm. that could be five ten times what that investment has been and that's long tail stuff right that will have an impact mm. on sales long-term because you've created brand equity and mind share with a lot larger audience that would have never been even possibly aware of your physical event or there and, you know, mm. some of the other, other sections, you know, brand awareness, like brand awareness is one of these things that you generally thrown away. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. But, you know, there was a a guy called Samuel mm. Scott, who works for the drum, who, who tweeted, not just recently saying that if you had a dollar for every time that somebody says it's only the product that matters, it's not the awareness like, if nobody knows about your product or service, if nobody has time to yeah. feel and touch your brand and engage with your cost, company, how are they ever going to buy from you? We know we buy from people and we buy from pe- brands that we trust and all that kind of stuff. That stuff doesn't always come across as an advert, right? It's, you know, a banner on a website can't, can't build yeah. trust and brand equity and, and relationships. It just, it just doesn't work. Um, so I think it's really interesting that hopefully, maybe some of technology can help us with this, we can start to build frameworks and, and, and showcase how much all of this other stuff is actually super valuable that will impact direct sales long term. Um, we'll hopefully get there yeah. well one day. Um, moving on a little bit further into the report, I know your report touched upon on, what, on on some of the future things, some of the future thoughts and feelings of the companies that you interviewed and the individuals that mm-hmm. you interviewed. Do you have any interesting Tidbits around that because I, I see some here in front of me, but I don't want to take it away from you before you explain. But that, <laughs> that that's really interesting. Some of the stuff that the future the future holds for us.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, the largest one that we saw in terms of um, what I suppose the future trends would be for for twenty twenty. So initially, um, this was created at the back end of last year um headlining that was sustainability um which again we know from from you know conversations we're having with clients um from our own initiatives internally from what we're seeing in the press it's such a huge talking point um and something which i think in general as as a society we're moving towards much more of um having a much more kind of environmentally conscious um I suppose, kind of, take on, on everything that we're doing um, and economically as well. So, 48% saying they want to see greater transparency from brands on sustainability um, it was kind of leading that which we heavily kind of agree with and believe. Yeah. Um, and then 37% um, were looking or expecting to see a wider use of immersive AR and VR technology. Um, which I find really interesting um, because I, I I feel as though not just within the events industry but within a lot of other industries, AR and VR have been kind of um, real kind of hot topics for the last few years, um, and, and there's been so much kind of conversation around how we're going to see a lot more of that within even consumers' homes and and how that's going to become normalised so much more. But we haven't quite got to that point, I would say. I mean. We have a lot of conversations with some of our big tech clients who are very innovative themselves um, and really kind of you know pioneering emerging technology and fostering that industry um, but it's still not something that's almost a default or a given within those events which I, I feel as though that that's something that's really missing um, and at the moment as we're kind of exploring from such a creative industry as you mentioned ways that we can bring that um, innovation the immersiveness the creativity into the digital sphere from the physical um, side of, of, of our industry this is where i think we will see um, a, a big growth um, in that this year um, whether or not it would have happened without this kind of almost this nudge or this push forward from from the current climate at the yeah. moment um, i think yeah, i think when you think about um, the kind of theatrical side of our industry, the storytelling side, um, that's something which is going to become really prevalent um, uh, and really kind of excited to see that take up from, from not only industries that we would expect, so say for example, kind of, secret cinema side um the more theatrical side of the industry i also think from from kind of b2b side um conferencing um from kind of even things like wellness and sports i think there's a huge opportunity there um and hopefully we'll see that kind of explode a little bit more this year definitely
0: i think those i think those two statistics are very complementary to each other um Mm. because i believe that technology can help a huge amount towards events being sustainable we, we've seen it already adopted by our industry quite quite widely that the replacement of the the printed event brochure or printed literature with event apps that was kind of one of those easy transitions from a cost perspective from a printing perspective from a recycling perspective that that just makes sense right not only that it's more likely to be kept hold of but I think you know one of those things that we have to wait for is for our audience to somewhat catch up you know event apps mm. would have never gone off the ground before we had the devices as attendees bringing them with us bringing our own devices to events to enable us to be able to download and engage with them if we should so wish um, mm. nobody was going to be pushing event apps before smartphones it just it wouldn't have happened and if they did I don't know about it but that, that'd be an interesting sell mm. and then you know we talk about VR and AR I think uh, AR is going to be the bigger play in our sector than VR personally at physical events just because you know we're already walking around with devices with AR capabilities I think yeah. that the, the barrier needs to change somewhat maybe as we see more people buy you know ocular devices whether those be glasses or things that they generally wear and have on them without having to take their phone out because we know how jarring that is at an event if we all of a sudden kind of looking around and we take a phone out and we're engaging with somebody that's like it's rude, right? It's, it's, the social norms still mm-hmm. exist within face, face-to-face events. So AR is going to be really interesting from a sustainability perspective. Maybe we don't need to print directional signage on branding anymore. It's just a case mm-hmm. of people can find and navigate and wayfind using their own devices. Sustainability yeah. straight out of the box. VR is interesting, I think, in those more immersive experiences, right? So you want to partake in, let's say, a story as part of an mm-hmm. event. And rather than build a big stage or a set and have all that theatrical mm. equipment and the theater and all that kind of stuff, you can participate there at the event or away from the event in that part of that experience. I'm, a, I'm an early adopter. Yeah. I bought a VR headset and, and, and actually it's, it's gone. It's out of my life because I just didn't feel there was enough out there or enough compelling reasons for me at the moment to, to, to use that technology. I'm sure as that technology filters down and all of a sudden, you know, our phones will be able to do what these big headsets do and we just kind of slip it in the Google Cardboard thing. Again, it'll have a a rise. Mm. VR and AR absolutely can help towards sustainability. And I'm really glad that one of the future things that you've brought out of this report is the key of sustainability because that's something we're really passionate about here at Event Industry News. You know, we've worked hard to kind of raise awareness of what others are doing sustainable sustainably you know some have been cost prohibitive and that's why other materials have been used and things like that so it's it's super super interesting the report that you've you've created so Rachel in terms of the rest of the report is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners and viewers on, on kind of interesting parts of what came out of that report
1: So I think um, aside from the the areas that we've covered, it's really the kind of purchasing habits that are linked to to activations as well. Um, So the fact that 98% of users feel more inclined to purchase after attending an event, um, which is very much kind of linked to the physical aspects and the emotive aspects and the memorable aspect that we kind of discussed at the beginning of the podcast. but also experiences in general, account for um, a reported 70% of regular customer acquisition. So so it's really just kind of emphasizing the the broader spectrum um, that's available there in terms of the experiences themselves, leaning on participation, um, leaning on the originality of concept, And these, um, I suppose, creative aspects and human connection um, aspects of physical events and that being now kind of transcended into the digital um, arena. Uh, And what we're, I mean, from this report, that's kind of what we we learnt um, and what we took away from it. But I think at the moment, adapting that to what we're seeing um, in the current climate is again, just leading it back to that real hybrid um, of The events world uh, and how actually digital and physical events um, have their own benefits um, and they you can't replace one with the other um, and they both really kind of complement each other and what we're seeing from um, What's out there and what, we're, what conversations we are having with our clients is the most successful event strategies really have um, that dual aspect. Um, And parts of both so maybe you kind of begin with a digital series which then leads to a physical counterpart Um, Maybe you have specific elements that appeal to different parts of your audience Um, That really what's kind of key to take away here is the fact that that dual aspect is what we're going to see moving forward a lot more and what's going to um, result in the most successful strategies
0: That's excellent. I mean Congratulations on, on on doing this report. I think, you know, to be fair to myself, probably anybody else listening to this, this, these kind of insights are really what help people strategize about what they're going to do going forward, not only as agencies and event organizers and things like that, but, but as those companies who need some concrete evidence and some, some understanding of what their event play might look like going forward. And I suppose even so much as to, you know back up and give evidence to for for those marketers to to their cfos and the the people up that are Mm -hmm. justifying these event spends too to say listen you know this is what we can gain over and above direct sales this is the future of the industry this is how we can create more brand awareness more brand equity you know there's there's so much to it so you know again you know well done to you for for kind of doing this i hope that we'll see a 2020 edition a 2021 edition a 2020. two edition i hope it's something absolutely. That you absolutely keep doing for those people listening or watching though rachel yeah. where can people go and download their own copy of this this report and i think it's important to stress that it is it is open it's free isn't it you just kind of have to qualify yourself yeah. with these some details and stuff
1: yeah absolutely it's it's on our website so marbleldn.com um and within our blog section our marble thoughts area of the site
0: Awesome and if anybody wants to kind of connect up with you and and chat to you in a little bit more detail about your own experiences of the report where can they find you?
1: Yep so they can find me on LinkedIn Um, so so take a look and connect and yeah I'll be happy to have any follow-up conversations definitely.
0: Awesome Rachel thank you very much for coming on today anybody listening or watching the podcast today do connect up with Rachel download a copy of the report we'll also link to it in the show notes below um, the post Um, give this podcast a share if you think your network would also benefit from the report Rachel thank you very again for coming on and we'll catch up soon
1: thanks Adam speak to you soon